All right, we welcome you in for this four to five hour for our Monday sports show here with Spencer Porter and alongside with me, Hank Bichelle, doing this once a week for this hour. Four to five is our slot, and this is our first one we're doing. We're glad to have you with us, broadcasting live from the Jennings Communications Building on the Utah Tech campus, and all here for you on 91.3 The Blaze. Fun weekend of sports, and it's just going to get better as the NFL season kickoff in about 10 days in college football began what some people called week zero as USC played against San Jose State, uh, which actually has Quali Conley, a running back transfer from Utah Tech, and then Notre Dame dismantled Navy in that game in Dublin. But we're really now on to the real week one, and we see a lot of these SEC teams, the majority of the ranked teams play, you know, no one. But we have a few big games this weekend, and we're going to highlight the one that really is going to kick off this season is Utah hosting Florida on Thursday night. It's going to be 6 o'clock start on ESPN. Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit on the call for that with Holly Rowe as a sideline reporter. And like we said, that's going to kick it off. And then Saturday is going to get us into Colorado at TCU, which is an interesting matchup. And then Sunday, LSU versus Florida State neutral site field at Camping World Stadium. And that is the number five team versus the number eight team which is going to be super exciting. But we'll start more and focus on the spotlight of this game, the Florida Gators at the Utah Utes, where last year they played in Florida, and Utah had a chance to win, to score, and ended up losing 19-14 to with Cam Rising throwing a pick in the end zone uh, as the, the Utes were at the goal line, and it was a tough loss, and that's where Anthony Richardson showcased you know, his, his everything and got him to be drafted to where he is now on the Colts. But now we'll let Hank get in on this. And you know, what were some of those takeaways from last year's game in that loss? And what do you think the Utes you know, will look like on Thursday? Uh, and who do you think is going to be QB as Cam Rising is recovering from that torn ACL? Uh, yeah, I think it's a big game for Utah. They're ranked fourth, 14th coming into the uh, new season. And just like last year, this opener against Florida is going to be a big game for them. I do think Cam Rising will play. Uh, some of the depth charts were released, and we saw that he was on them. I think he will play. I think Utah's going to get a little bit of get back this year. Uh, that loss kind of haunted them throughout the whole season last year, and talking to a lot of Utah fans around the campus, you know, they want some revenge. So I do think Utah's going to get the win next Thursday, this Thursday. I'd like to think so, too. And Nate Johnson is a quarterback that, that could play. He's never started for the Utes, and we'll just have to see. We want Rising to play. I think he'll play as well. And, you know, last year and every year lately for the Ute faithful is aspirations to make the college football playoff. And because of this loss, they didn't even start the season, you know, undefeated. And it really did, you know, kind of ruin their hopes. And they did make it to the Rose Bowl and win the Pac-12 championship, but definitely was for some luck because the Utes lost four games throughout that regular season. And as we talked about as well, staying with the, the Pac-12 the Colorado Buffaloes, uh, they still go by that name, but the roster and the coaching staff is completely different with Coach Prime Sanders. And it's funny, on the on Colorado at Buffaloes at- Athletics website, it literally does have Coach Prime in parentheses next to his name because he lives and dies by who he is. And we don't have to look much further to see his son as the starting QB in Shadir Sanders what do you think this season looks like for the Colorado Buffaloes and, and facing uh, TCU, which 
you know, at, we forget is a team that made the college football playoff last year. Yeah, I think uh, Colorado, it's a good chance for them to prove that they're legit. I think, you know, uh, Coach Prime had a lot of success at uh, Jackson State, but now this is it's most would consider the Pac-12 a big jump. So I think it's a good chance to showcase what they're really about. Um, TCU's a tough team. They don't have their starting QB anymore. You got drafted, but still going to be a good team. Still ranked 17th in the nation. So so many opinions from Colorado, and especially you know by Joel Klatt, great Fox Sports analyst, and played QB for the Buffaloes years back. And the opinions are are every which way. Some saying that they could be a top ten team, go undefeated, and others are just not on this train. As as I I can't remember the number. It might have been thirty plus kids walked out, transferred schools, went other ways, because Coach Prime told them pack their bags and get out of here in his way and it it will just be so interesting to see i think they they'll probably go about 500 probably make a bowl game but the pac-12 is no joke yes the sec is the top dog and the big 10 has three amazing teams in michigan ohio state and penn state but the pac-12 arguably has the best qbs you know in michael Penix from washington bo Nix, obviously caleb williams who won the heisman cam rising is a great qb and Oregon State has Clemson transfer in CJ CJ Ugoomiala, and you know they they have proven that they can Oregon State can change their culture and actually make some things happen. And it'll be interesting to see where they land conference wise, as the Pac-12 has pretty much disappeared. The other game we mentioned was LSU Florida State. If we remember back to last year, they did play on that first Sunday of the college football season in 2022. You had Jaden Daniels, the Arizona State transfer. He announced he was transferring. His ASU teammates pretty much disowned him and trashed his locker room. But he was welcomed with open arms in LSU and with Brian Kelly. And on the last play regulation, two-yard touchdown pass, put them within one to cut it to 24-23. And then the PAT was blocked, and Florida State pulled out of that one in probably the craziest game of opening week in last year's college football season, and they're looking to run it back once again. LSU is has all the chips in on the table, not just in women's basketball, in college football as well with this squad. And it, it's going to be interesting to see as you know teams like Georgia and Alabama are playing pretty much nobody in their preseason schedule, and LSU is starting this one off against Florida State. So we'll have to see how that one goes. And the other two games that might be you know, those nail biters or something special happening is Boise State versus number 10 Washington in North Carolina versus South Carolina in two notable QBs in Drake May and Spencer Rattler for South Carolina that has had a rocky road being spotlighted in high school on those Netflix specials and then going to Oklahoma and now finds you know, his house in South Carolina. So it'll be interesting to see Hank and I like many are pulling for Drake May to have an amazing year, and he is projected to battle Caleb Williams in this to win the Heisman. But it's likely that the love of the media and the coverage and just being in L.A. that Caleb Williams, with his talent, has probably the best chance to, to two-peat and to win the Heisman this year. One of our segments we are most excited to talk about today, though, was about the Utah Jazz, and we have several of them in action in the FIBA World Cup with Lori Markkinen hooping for Finland uh, and Jordan Clarkson for the Philippines. But those two have 
you know, teammates that maybe are not as high caliber as that of, of Kelly Olenix and Team Canada and the roster that Team USA has as they are 0-2 Finland and the Philippines and did not make uh, the second round in the FIBA World Cup. So you have those three, Jasmine and Simone Fontecchio, uh, hooping for Team Italy in the FIBA World Cup. So those four Jasmine are the ones are the ones you know uh, playing as of right now uh, before the NBA season starts up. Oh, Walker Kessler, of course, for Team USA. And he's not getting a lot of playing time, so I kind of forgot about him. But he has been a great addition, and and I think you know what people won't admit is or, or won't real won't realize is with just being surrounded by. Anthony Edwards and Austin Reeves, even Bobby Portis, you know, a guy of his position, that he'll learn a lot. And, you know, even just learning from Steve Kerr, who, like him or not, has been surrounded by so many legends in his basketball career playing and coaching. But for the, the Jazz season, on Bleacher Report, Andy Bailey proposed this starting lineup for the Utah Jazz, which is pretty interesting, something I would not have come up with, listing... Taylor Horton Tucker starting for the Jazz at the one. Laurie Markinen at the two. John Collins at the three. We forget we acquired him, John Collins. Born at Hill Air Force Base, Leighton, Utah. So he he's coming home if you want to look at it that way. So Collins at the three. Kelly Olynyk at the four. And Walker Kessler at the five. Which, which means, you know, Clarkson would come off the bench. But he does, you know, have a six-man-of-the-year trophy in his house. But that lineup is huge and, you know, as we were prepping for the show, we didn't think about that. But looking at this, it, it was cool to you know spark some conversation. And looking at this lineup, it it's quite intriguing. You know, Hank, what do you think about you know going big uh, in this lineup? Well, I think it's something that's happening across the league more and more as the years go by. If you look at uh, the Toronto Raptors, I think all their starters are six six, six seven, and up. Just brings length to the floor. Four of those five guys can still stretch the floor and hit the three. Uh, defensively, I mean, we were a great defensive team already, but having this length uh, starting from the one position is just—it's hard to score on guys that their wingspans are so long. So I think defensively it works. Offensively, I think it will have some uh, knots in it, but they can straighten that out as the year goes by. Since we're a young team, we have a lot to like get through. But I think this is a lineup that they should go to throughout the season. And it'd be really interesting, and I think it could work. I mean, Laurie Markkinen, whether he plays the four or the five, is a tough matchup. But at the two, uh, I would just be super excited because he'd definitely have a mismatch uh, given that you know he is 6'11", and whatever two-guard matches up with him or however the defense is going to have to shift, it could uh, you know cause some issues. And then the Jazz, you know, it, hypothetically speaking, if they went with that lineup, would have Colin Sexton, Clarkson off the bench, and... You know, that's really what we're looking at, though. The Jazz, you know, seven or eight, you know, players, two stars, you could argue. Well, Laurie Markkinen, obviously, and and Walker Kessler as an up-and-coming one. And they just got to get a few more of those pieces to be something. I don't know if Keontae George can get sprinkled in the lineup or Hendricks, the 6'10 forward that the Jazz use with their first pick from UCF, or even Sensabaugh, the shooter from Ohio State that they drafted. It will be hard to see if... These guys can get sprinkled in, even Jonathan Juzang and Fontecchio, like we mentioned, just guys that have shown a few, you know, highlight moments, but then also just have had lulls where, you know, they don't really do anything uh, to contribute consistently. Yeah, that's the problem with the a young team like the Jazz. After trading away all of our pieces two years ago, like we did, or 
a year ago around this time, we uh, were going to have to work out a lot of the problems. And I think um, no one expected Markkinen to come here and be as good as he is. So that's that was a nice surprise. But now we just need to filter those pieces in around him that are going to help the whole team, you know, explode to the next level and finally get through the first round playoff curse that has been put on our team. Exactly. It won't be easy for the Jazz. And I mean, the NBA is loaded. And, you know, like most years, the the West just seems to be better than the East. And even from the NFL this year, the AFC is just stacked. And the NFC maybe has two or three elite teams where the AFC, you could argue, has five or six. It'll be exciting for the Jazz. Probably not a title year, as we all know, but, you know, they, they've grown so much. And even those trades with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell brought back so many pieces, so much draft capita and and like Hank said, t- couldn't agree more. Lori Markinen worked out even better than we thought. And you know, it was special to see, you know, Katie this off season on a podcast platform admit that, you know, Lori Markinen is is basically the build that you want in an NBA player. And he's he's one of the guys right now. And so Lori Markinen is out of that military service in Finland this offseason. Had his head shaved. He said the curls will come back. And, and as we all know, more of those highlights will come back as you know he put up over 100 dunks and 100 made threes in the same season, which is just unbelievable. People can't even do that in my career on NBA 2K on a video game. Only, per, only player in NBA history to accomplish that. The Jazz will start up in October, and they have a tough schedule to start off. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. And we're interested to see those people, those teams they have on the schedule, like the Trailblazers, for example, and the Heat and the Timberwolves, if they're going to be the rosters that they are right now, or if moves are going to be made with Damian Lillard going places, even James Harden, Joel Embiid, as they're a little unhappy. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. Stay with us here on this hour of Sports Talk here with Spencer Porter and Hank Pichelle. We'll be back after these messages. Back here on 913 The Blaze with Spencer Porter and Hank Pichelle. We have this 4 to 5 hour every Monday. And the perfect day to talk about sports and recap the weekend. One of the top ESPN headlines right now says that Matthew Stafford's wife says that, you know, at well, as we know, the Rams won the Super Bowl. And then everything was flipped upside down. And Matthew Stafford is finding it hard to connect with his teammates, according to his wife, Kelly. Hard for him to gel and probably hard for him to stay healthy as he was banged up last year. But it is interesting with this age gap, especially with quarterbacks now and their skills positions. As we've seen, you can be 35 plus in the league as a QB and still be you know, efficient as Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and now Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford are entering uh, that area. But for these skills guys, you you obviously got to be in your prime. With Megatron, Calvin Johnson, arguably one of the greatest receivers ever, his career was cut short, and you just don't you just don't see these receivers uh, play out to that same age. Some people are predicting that Adam Thielen's gonna really declined this year being on a new team and uh, he's getting out of his prime as he's found on the Panthers roster. Uh, But it is interesting. 
You know, some people I think are turning too much, pointing the gun at the Rams too much, but they won the Super Bowl just barely. Their plan worked, kicking out Jared Goff, bringing in Matthew Stafford, signing Odell, uh, making these these moves uh, to win the Super Bowl. And then with Whitworth retiring, great offensive lineman, and an injury disease that you know what was more than average for the Rams roster. Uh, you know they were horrible. Hank, Hank and I will will agree that if you drafted Cam Akers on fantasy, you made a bad decision. They're just they don't have that many great players. They have the best D lineman in the league in in Aaron Donald, and they have Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. And after that. It, I they just don't really they have anyone. Odell's gone. Jalen Ramsey's gone. Bobby Wagner's gone, and Whitworth, the other good linemen, are gone. The old line has has been really bad, and you know it's it's been tough for for him to gel, obviously, and we see that more and more with all this change and even with this age gap, as he you know he's got a wife and a family, and then there's these draft picks that are. 20 years old, give or take, and they're just in completely different circumstances. Uh, we'll, we'll turn over to Hank, but what, what do you think about the Rams' look on this season, if they could even get a wild card or win the division and just, you know, how many more years does Stafford have or how do you think this year is going to go for, for him? Yeah, well, like you said, quarterbacks these days, they can play a little bit longer than usual. So I think Stafford could have a couple more productive years left. Uh, speaking on the team, they are, they're not in the strongest division. Uh, the 49ers are obviously the favorites to win that division. The Seahawks are pretty good, but the Cardinals are one of the worst teams in the league. So I think you, uh, if the Rams find some sort of shape that they are in in 2021, they for sure could sneak into a wildcard spot. Um, connecting with the team, though, that's, that is some, it's going to be different because the age gap, but it's kind of something that, he has to do as the quarterback. The quarterback's viewed as the leader of the team and everything. So if he wants uh, to find that connection with his teammates, in my opinion, that's got to be on Stafford making a more of an effort to do so. Exactly. I. It's so easy. I mean, through through video games, through FaceTime, through face-to-face, through practice, through locker room shenanigans, I'm sure he could gel better with these guys. And I mean, there's so many examples of of the greats of Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Manning, Brady, you know, they never stop throwing. They get extra reps with their guys. So they're on the same pace. And even, especially with Brady, he, he'll boss you around and tell you what he likes and how you need to adapt to him. And so Stafford can do that more. And, and I, I just think the Rams, they got to be a little more optimistic. Yes. They spent a lot of money lately. Yes. They've had injuries, but, they could really turn this thing around. You know, Sean McVay is—he's a savant. He's one of the craziest minds I've ever witnessed in his recollection and just ability to to adjust on the fly, but also remember uh, something that worked. You know, five years ago on third and seven in the third quarter of a preseason game. So it'll be interesting to see. More importantly, though, bigger name in the bigger city, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, is working on you know gelling with his new team as he's on the New York Jets, but we've been able to see more of it through you know, Hard Knocks on HBO and his journey as he has left the Packers 
which is it's crazy to leave a team uh, for as long as he was there and so have these these new beginnings. And it was funny initially when Rogers even just joked about, you know, where the office was or the bathroom or just the layout of the facility because he'd been in Lambeau for so long that, you know, it's funny just to have a, a fresh start. But the Jets have have revamped. They got a lot of guys and a lot of names uh, in guys like C.J. Mosley, good veteran, and uh, even Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard that he brought over uh, from Green Bay. But for Rodgers, it's being reunited with you know his, his corny lover in Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for the Jets. And just seeing Hard Knocks and how it shapes up, new episode will be out tomorrow. Uh, this year they've been uh, putting them out on Tuesdays. But it's been cool to see how it's, they all love him and they all recognize that he, he's still got it. He's got a, a crazy bag and just crazy ability to pull things off. And you could see that just how, you know, Sauce Gardner on the defensive side has learned and adapted about that. Garrett Wilson has become a huge target for him and caught his first touchdown pass as a Jet in their preseason game on Saturday. And even how, like him or not, Zach Wilson looks to have, you know, found his role and he's been able to to kind of redeem himself in the organization as the backup QB and to kind of repair the relationships he he may have broke or the beef he would he caused with his defense and his team after how his season went last year and some of the things he said. But Hard Knocks has been exciting. What what is your take about A-Rod number 8 now as he changed his number this year? Um you know I thought he was going to either retire or leave at some point, so it finally happened. I think, you know, I'm a big fan of this Jets team. I think they're going to do really well. I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. And I like how Hard Knocks uh, gives you, like, more of a deep dive into, like, how a football organization works, kind of humanizes the players a little bit. And it just shows, like, everything that they put in to make a season happen, players, coaches, staff, everything. It's really cool. Like you said about Zach Wilson, uh, I thought – the way Aaron Rodgers, maybe it's just for the cameras, but the way he's kind of taken him under his wing and showed him, like, uh, the ins and outs of being a quarterback. It was kind of cool, and it was also cool to see Zach Wilson, like, just take all that knowledge, and you can tell that, like, he's enjoying the role he's in right now from the show. Like, you can you can see that he's happy. And it's, it, I mean, it doesn't hurt to learn from one of the best ever to do it. Yeah, yeah. Rodgers is amazing, and it will be cool to see how it plays out this year. The Jets have a tough schedule. And Hard Knocks has, has been fun to watch. Some takeaways we've come out with is Sauce Gardner and Aaron Rodgers have a sweet handshake. They they plan that out. It looks great. Garrett Wilson is up and coming. You know, the, the Jets pulled off something cool last year despite, you know, not beating the Patriots for the 11th straight time and for not being able to make the playoffs. Uh, the bright spots were Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson and being the the defensive rookie of the year and offensive rookie of the year and being on the same team. So those guys have great upside. Gardner out of the University of Cincinnati and Garrett Wilson out of what has become wide receiver university in Ohio State. That continues to reload. But for the Jets, 
and what we've seen through TV. I think the good and the gray is exaggerated, and the bad and the negative is exaggerated. Quinn and Williams is amazing and got paid a lot of money. And even as they showed, it had nine or ten sacks in one practice. Uh, but, you know, if you if you touch the QB in these preseason practices, it's considered a sack. And we'll see, you know, if, when you actually have to tackle him and how it seems to be you have to pick him up and lay him down softly now or else you'll get flagged. But he's still going to have a great year, I would say, in, in Quinn and Williams. And he's he's a funny guy. Uh, when the cameras were on him. But there's all these moving pieces with Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and now they got Dalvin Cook, uh, and the bromance is back with Rodgers and Hackett. But the bad is also, you know, exaggerated in the offensive line, struggling a lot, allowing those sacks, and just uh, making Aaron Rodgers disappointed in his pass protection. So it'll be interesting to see, but... It is a tough road in the NFL, no matter your schedule. But the Jets have it tough. Uh, as you know, just previewing their first six games, we were going to do five, but week six they play the Eagles, which for anyone is a tough matchup. So the Jets open up Monday night against the Bills. Then they're at the Dallas Cowboys versus the Patriots versus the Chiefs at the Denver Broncos and versus the Eagles. Looking at these six teams, you know, as you look at their offensive ability, defensive ability, special teams, all six of these teams, you could say their, you know, their defensive line and linebacker play is at the top of the league, and you know that for the Jets has been has been the difficult part with the old line, and could prove some some havoc. I think best case scenario, you maybe get the Jets going three and three in this. I could even see two and four. Uh, what say you, Hank, with these first six games with the, the new new Jets? Um, I kind of agree with you on the three and three. I think the two and four would be from the Bills. I still I think they could beat the Bills. Bills have a lot of question marks uh, coming off of last year. I think they'll beat the Cowboys, beat the Patriots. They're going to lose to the Chiefs and the Broncos, and I think the Eagles is a loss as well. So. They got to get hot early if they want to get going. And it will be interesting to see. I can see that happening, but it will be interesting to see how they start the year. If they can beat the Bills, I mean, the, with the vibes high, the team playing well, that could really shape out their their season. But if they drop too early, you know, at, at the Cowboys, who we never know the the nation, all these sports reporters just hype the Cowboys up because the viewers love it, and sadly we have. 10 million too many Cowboys fans in this country but they they're in Jerry world they could they could play well and it, the Cowboys defense is their their strong suit who knows what the offense um but you could argue the Jets strong suit is their defense cuz who knows how the offense goes if this whole line can't hold anything together and especially with the banged up running backs that the Jets have you know start week 1 and week 2 I'm sure by week three and four, Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall will feel more, more you know, ready to go and up to speed. But week one and two can be interesting. With that said, though, Dalvin Cook though has got to be excited week one to play you know his brother, who with the Naheem Hines injury uh, on the Buffalo Bills uh, looks like he could be running back one. So that's pretty exciting, and uh, some some people could be shocked. That's one reason why Dalvin Cook didn't go to the Bills to be reunited with his brother. But others think there was no way he was going to Buffalo. 
because he wanted to give his uh, bro this opportunity to be a starting running back in, in the NFL. Uh, but but that's just your preview for the Jets. Uh, Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles, their first six games. And fun to preview them just because it's such a new team and uh, everything from new uniforms to to these new players as Rodgers is the face of, of their league. It is exciting. Well, face of their team, it's exciting. And he, what we're going to talk about here is you know, something we saw on, on the volume sports network that Colin Coward uh, runs. It was an interesting take, uh, not by Coward, by another affiliate of, of the volume. And he he said, if worse comes to worse, the Jets have a horrible year. They're going to fire Robert Sala. And he thinks that Rodgers, through his leverage uh, with Joe Douglas and Woody Johnson, the GM and the owner, is going to... In order for Rodgers to stay and not, you know, retire or go somewhere else, he did sign three-year deal. So, well, he's he's planned on to be there for three years. But what was, you know, this this thought was that Rodgers uh, leverages his way to stay, and Nathaniel Hackett becomes the head coach if Sala can't get the job done. And I kind of just a crazy take as Hackett was a grease fire's last opportunity as a head coach. Uh, but but Hank, what what do you think? You think that's even viable? It could happen. Um, I just don't think any NFL team should hire Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach. Being a Broncos fan and having to watch that season last year, I think it could happen though. Just like you said, Aaron Rodgers has that leverage, and we saw what happened in Green Bay over the last few years. He's very vocal about what he wants, so I don't think that's out of the question at all. I also think it would just be more of a Aaron Rodgers is the head coach type of deal in uh if that happens in 2024 and Hackett will just kind of be his yes man uh that's kind of what i pick up from watching hard knocks but i definitely not out of the question definitely could happen but i, I believe in robert sala i think he's a pretty decent nfl coach you know, sala was was great on the defensive side for the 49ers and i i think every year he's been the head coach for the jets they they've improved they've gotten better it's hard when you have to play, you know, Bill Belichick twice a year, even though the Patriots have declined. The Bills have gotten better, and Sean McDermott as the coach with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and the weapons they have on offense. And the the skills players that the Dolphins have, it just it's unbelievable with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Two receivers, I mean, that duo, they both had over 1,000 yards receiving in the same season. And, you know, the Dolphins... They're, they're hard to scout for because you never know who's going to be QB on the week because, you know, Tua is healthy one week and then he can't move the next. But we, I, I hope Tagovailoa is healthy. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how, of course, the whole season plays out, but that AFC East uh, division as the Patriots have been dethroned and the Bills have won that division in those last few years. We'll see if the Jets uh, can take care of it. But we are 10 days away from that. That first game is going to be on Thursday with the Super Bowl champs Chiefs playing the Detroit Lions. So with that being said, as as the season hasn't started yet, fantasy football is still the hot topic, the hot commodity. So get your draft going. I'm sure if you've already been on top of it, you are stoked for your team, as is everyone else in your league. But we hope you, you had a great draft and... Uh, you know, people that we think are going to have great years, 
uh, are obviously the some of those top projected people like Justin Jefferson and Travis Kelsey. But you know, Kelsey is so top; he's worth you know taking your first round draft pick to get just because the tight ends drop so quickly. As you get Mark Andrews, and after Mark Andrews, it's just kind of a cluster of you know Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, Pat Frymuth, guys that just had half you know half their games. They caught a few passes, scored a touchdown, and the other half they blocked every every play. It seemed so. It will be hard to tell people. We we would advise you to avoid be Cam Akers, James Conner, uh, even Geno Smith, guys like that. From the receiver standpoint, so many good options, but you know guys that aren't the number one option or even people on the Patriots that can't get any separation in Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster. It's just it's hard to tell. But if you get that number one pick, go go Justin Jefferson. Anything to add on that in your, your fantasy lookout? Um, I just think uh, Russell Wilson will be comeback player of the year. So if you're looking to draft a QB, you don't have a QB yet in the eighth or ninth round. Go ahead and grab Wilson. Uh, Travis Kelsey will be the best player in fantasy football this year. And that's not just because I drafted him. You know, Travis Kelsey could set some records. Russell Wilson, I it could be comeback player of the year. You could you could say he's competing with Cooper Cup. Uh Calvin Ridley, if he's eligible. Don't know if they'll they'll make him eligible with the gambling problems. But you know, some people think Ridley's on on track to get over 100 catches this year, which is pretty lofty, but definitely could see 70 or 80 with the Jaguars uh, putting some more pieces together and having one of the weaker schedules uh, in the NFL. Uh, but contact us here, 913 The Blaze. Give us a call. Uh, see us on Facebook or Instagram with who would you take with the first-round draft pick or people you think on fantasy are going to be a hit or, or a bust. And if you're going to be that guy uh, digging deep in the in the transactions every week, uh, good luck with that as you stay on top of of the matchups and who's really going to shine, uh, replacing injuries and uh, you know who's just that sleeper pick this year. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but don't forget about those top projected players because you know Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Travis Kelsey. McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, as we all know, are never, never a bad decision. And we're going to take one more. Spencer Porter with, with Hank Bushell. About 20 minutes left here. We'll be back next Monday as we're here weekly every Monday from 4 to 5. And you know, it's just fun to talk about sports and what's going on. And we're excited you know, for future weeks when there's more to talk about after these seasons have begun. Uh, but by next week, Week one of the college football season will be over, and we'll just have to wait and see if if there's any upsets, which uh, looks like probably will not happen. As you know, we have Georgia playing, you know, a team that's ranked over 150, uh, you know, the 200th best program in D1 football. But the season will progress as we get into conference play, and it's just it's too exciting. Uh, we, we just get so excited for that, as I'm sure you do. Uh, but we'll, we will 
get into this segment here of our, our tough win of the week. And we're staying local for this one. It's going to go to Utah Tech Women's Soccer. Yesterday, they played the Nevada Wolfpack as the Trailblazers were down 1-0 at halftime and then came back with two goals in the second half from Lacey Fox and Emily Garbett to take down uh, Nevada 2-1 uh, in exciting action. As Utah, Well, Utah Tech lost on Thursday 1-0 to Idaho in the home opener, and it was great for to end the homestand uh, to get some redemption and uh, see the ball uh, go past the keeper, uh, but in comeback fashion. So exciting for that, and uh, a big shout-out to Utah Tech Women's Soccer as... You know, they are up and underway, as is men's soccer. September 8th is when uh, volleyball will get underway. And September 2nd is the season opener for Utah Tech football. As they will be heading to Montana to play the number three team uh, in the nation, Montana State. And it's a tough, tough team to start out with. So at Montana State, September 2nd, September 9th, we'll be home at Greater Zion Stadium against Montana who's 14th in the nation. Um, great opportunity for the football team to uh, to continue where they left off last year uh, as they won a few games to close out the season. And, you know, just in football, there's so much, so many more players involved. Obviously, you have, you know, you got 11 guys on special teams, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. Making this jump to D1 is just a lot harder uh, than it was per se for, for basketball or baseball or softball. And also a quick shout-out to softball as they were the the only uh, team last year to win the WAC, to win the conference title uh, for Utah Tech. So good on them, and there's going to be more to come as this transition period uh, is adjusted. Uh, everyone dealt with COVID, but it was a, a triple blow for for Utah Tech, some good, some bad in the name change, going D1 and COVID. Uh, but it, it really is uh, now getting the athletics in a great spot with Ken Beezer at the helm as the AD and great coaches and John Judkins with men's basketball, uh, J.D. Gustin with women's basketball, and Paul Peterson with football. So that will be September 2nd. Utah Tech playing Montana State. And uh, Bobcats are a great team. Uh, but Utah Tech you know, has a lot to prove and going to have a lot of new faces as uh, they lost a few guys to the transfer portal. Jo- Joey Hobart, who had over 1,500 yards receiving last year, uh, uh, did transfer away. So a lot of exciting things, but even you know, receiver like Keith Davis, uh, who tore his ACL last year, will be back. So be really exciting for Utah Tech football. We wish them the best of luck, and we'll be excited to watch it. Uh, this Saturday, uh, you can as well, and go to the Utah Tech Athletics website or check more from Trailblazer Vision and R- Rod Zundel uh, for that coverage of that football game. So that was our tough win of the week with Utah Tech uh, women's soccer, and we're going to go to the other side of the world, really, for the tough loss of the weekend, and tell us about this one, Hank. Yeah, so for tough loss of the weekend, we have Newcastle losing 1-2 to two to Liverpool in the Premier League. Uh, this was a real exciting game. Me and Spencer were able to watch it. Uh, Newcastle scored in the 26th minute. 
by a goal by Gordon. And then two minutes later in the 28th, Virgil van Dijk, world-class defender, gets a red card, and he gets sent off the game. Uh, kind of noteworthy, he hasn't, had a, he hasn't been sent off since 2016. So the first time in almost seven years that Virgil gets sent off. Um, by the 81st minute, everyone thought that it was kind of over. And then Liverpool subs in Darwin Nunez. And he punches in two goals at the 81st and the 90th minute to seal the win for Liverpool. So crazy game, good comeback for Liverpool, but tough loss for Newcastle. I mean, just unbelievable. Down a man, down one on the road. And then they come back and win that one two to one. And the Premier League is just, the, the you could argue the wins mean more and the losses just mean mean even more, more sadness. And you know, for for people that aren't, aren't big footballers, Virgil Van Dyke was that guy with the man bun on the orange team, the Netherlands against the U.S. in the World Cup. He's amazing. Seems like he heads every ball that comes his way, and just an amazing footballer. And for our Newcastle faithful, we're really sorry about the loss uh, across the pond. Uh, it'd be tough to be be part of the Newcastle fan base after that loss. I mean, they they really thought thought they were going to pull away with that one and they should have and I, at uh, the top stage in whatever league man you cannot let these things happen so our thoughts and prayers go to the newcastle faithful and any newcastle fan that might find themselves in southern utah if you're if you're sad about that one uh yeah we're we're, we're sorry too but it was it was an exciting finish so we'll we'll have that for you uh, once again next week. Your, your tough loss and tough win of the weekend. Uh, if you have one in mind, you can always let us know. Hit us up on ninety one three the blaze on Instagram and and Facebook, and also on TikTok. We're getting that one uh, uh, fired up, but uh, the Facebook page and Instagram page uh, are in great shape. Uh, we're we're excited. Uh, that you are with us with these shows, though. I mean, it's a little more personalized. Uh, as I said, Spencer Porter, Hank Bichelle. Uh, here's Spencer, big fans of, of the Patriots and Yankees. Uh, try not to let that bias creep in. And Hank is big on Boomer Sooner and, and the Denver Broncos. Uh, but we come together and, and join arms with the Utah Jazz and uh, you know, Utah Utes uh, football. So... A little bit of everything, that's how sports should be. Uh, too much of one uh, is bad. A little bit of everything is how it's supposed to be because you never know never know the winner. That's why they play the game, and it's, it's as good as it gets. We will be back next Monday at this same time, 4 p.m., with more to share with you. And instead of all the speculation, we'll actually have scores and some stats and some evidence to talk about after week one of college football gets finished up. And that includes Utah Tech's game with Montana State, BYU against Sam Houston State. Hey, it, it's still an opponent, even though they're a 20-point favorite. Uh, Utah against Florida. Utah State actually playing against a ranked team in the Iowa Hawkeyes, 25th team in the nation, uh, who actually had, no lie, the best defense rating in the Power Five last year in all of college football, and the worst offensive rating. They, they, were, they were both, the good, bad, and the ugly. So it'll be a tough, tough team to play. 
Because if you have the worst offense in the nation, the only way is up. And that same thing applies for the the Patriots offense, the Broncos offense. So we'll be back next week. Thanks for being a part with us. Uh, we'll have uh, more things to bring with you and a little more more spice and fun sound bites this next week.